Connacht have announced their team to take on Leinster in the Pro 14 at the RDS in Dublin tomorrow evening with a 7.35pm kickoff. 15, John Porch. 14, Peter Sullivan. 13, Sammy Arnold. 12, Tom Daly. 11, Alex Wooten. 10, Jack Carty. 9, Caelan Blade. 1, Dennis Buckley. 2, Shane Delahunt. 3, Dominic Robertson-McCoy. 4, Gavin Thornbury. 5, Quinn Rue, who captains the team. 6, Owen Masterson. 7, Connor Oliver. 8, Sean Masterson. And the replacements bench. 16, Johnny Murphy. 17, Matthew Burke. 18, Connor Kenny. 19, Alton Delan. 20, Kean Prendergast. 21, Kieran Marmion. 22, Dermot Kilgallen. 23, Ben O'Donnell. And after that team was announced, I caught up with Connacht Defence coach Pete Wilkins to discuss the selection and the prospects for the match. Pete, welcome to 2021, the first uh, team selection of the new year. And um, Connacht have obviously dealing with a few issues, but that's a reasonably strong side you have out tomorrow night. Yeah, it is. Thanks, William. It is a reasonably strong side. And, um, you know, as you said, there has been some disruption as everyone's experienced around the league and, and around the world. But um, for us to be able to put out this 23, we're still pretty pleased with ourselves. And, um, and no, we go there with, with positivity and with confidence. It was a disappointing outcome to the Ulster match. There was bits of it that were very good, three really good tries but it wasn't the cohesive performance I'd say you were looking for. No, it wasn't. It, it was disappointing. And, um, you know, we, um, we will express that on the night. And, and obviously in, in media discussion since then, I, I thought we were, were pretty comfortable in that first half. We controlled the game really well. Um, I, I thought we played the game at the right end of the field, um, albeit with a, a slight breeze behind us to help that. And um, second half, when the wind picked up, um, you know, to, to be blunt, I think we fluffed our lines playing into the wind there, and we, we tried to force it. And um, from uh, from about the 43rd minute onwards, we we ran relentlessly. And um, you know, in fairness to Ulster, they they kicked their points. You know, a lot of those points were on the back of our errors and um, creating opportunities for them in our half. So. Um, you know, that along with um, slipping off a couple of soft tackles there for the, the tries, it was a disappointing 40 minutes in that second half. And, uh, you know, we didn't deserve to get the result in the end. And, and we've had some pretty frank conversations on the back of that, as, as well as, I suppose, some pretty positive ones to, to make sure everyone's really clear as to what the fixes would be next time and, and how do we fall into that trap. And, uh, and, and as I said, next time, how do we get ourselves out of it? Was that one of the, the chief concerns of, of the game, that you weren't able to fix the problems on the night, which is something that I suppose you've done a couple of times this season in games and you'd, you'd expect to be able to fix on the hoof? Yeah, look, I, I think you do expect to be able to fix it on the hoof and, and that's the idea that you know we're upskilling and empowering the players to, to problem-solve themselves on the field. And um, you know, as you said, we obviously didn't do that, which is part of the disappointment. I think part of the disappointment as well is, um, you know, the, the biggest thing that scuppered us was playing into that strong win that picked up second half. But if any team in the league should be aware of the um, the challenges of playing into a strong win and how it can change after half time, you know, it's us and we live with that regularly and, you know, really should be using that to our advantage. But I think the way it can play out in these games is, 
you know, you make a couple of wrong decisions around when to exit and when to run, find yourself a few more points behind, then all of a sudden you're chasing the game and, you know, arguably the only option becomes then to run. Um, now, could we still have exited and just exited with, with contestable kicks or, or gone a little shorter with our exits and trying to pressure them defensively? Because at that stage, you know, the defence is working fairly well for us. But, you know, we certainly could. And, and that's part of that problem solving and, I suppose, toolbox that we can we can use next time. But um, but the players themselves said immediately afterwards, they realised that they've made a couple of poor decisions in terms of that game management. Um, and that's not just on the 9 and 10. You know, that's that's across the side um, in terms of those with the responsibility for how we play. But a couple of poor decisions, you find yourselves a few more points behind and, and then you find yourself chasing the game. And, um, you know, the hole you've dug gets, gets deeper again. So um, it, it was frustrating, but I do feel it'll be a reference point for us moving forwards. And, you know, where we're going this week in terms of up to the RDS, you know, you can ex- expect a breeze there on most days as well. So, um, you know, we'll get a pretty quick opportunity to, to prove that we've learned our lessons and, and we'll have to do so. Yeah, we'll come to the Connacht selected side in a minute. Just looking at Leinster here, it's, look, unbeaten in this competition going back for so many games. There's a few names here that are maybe not that well known in the Leinster side. Johnny Sexton stands out a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Devon Toner, Ryan Baird, Will Connors on the bench, uh, Jack Conan. They've just got so many players. So there's no such thing as a a weak Leinster side or an understrength Leinster side. So so what's the? How do you go about taking them on? How do you can you find any weaknesses to exploit? Yeah, I mean, there's certainly opportunities. You know, we've identified in our preview both in terms of when we're in possession and when we're out of possession defending as well. But I think the first thing to get our heads around is to realise that regardless of the makeup of that, that Leinster team, we've had some of our best performances in a Connacht jersey against them um, when they've actually been at their strongest. And if there is a pattern emerging from from you know my three and a half years here with the club, it's that actually we seem to deliver our most focused and, and consistent performances when opposition teams are at full strength and uh, some of those banana skins when you know you're going maybe during a six nations window or when team has a, a lot of injuries um, you know quite often we don't quite rise to that occasion and deliver what we should do so you know as you said it's, it's a strong enough Leinster team and um, you know I like to think that'll bring the best out of us as it as it has done historically um, in, in terms of the opportunities within there I, I think the second part of it is you know, you can build up the game and the opposition and, and the venue you're going to and, and the recent history that they've enjoyed there and on the road. And, um, you know, the task can be seen pretty daunting. And uh, But the way the game is played and, and certainly the way we plan for the game to be played is you attack it in bite-sized chunks. Um, you know, you don't try and get enormous swings that, that suddenly turn the game on its head and you, you don't try and attack so that you're out of sight after 20 minutes. Um, defensively you're not chasing intercepts every phase to, to try and solve something dramatically um, you trust your systems and you graft away and you, you do it 1% at a time and if we can get some of those back-to-back positives um, for enough periods during the game you actually find yourself in a pretty good spot regardless of the opposition so it's about approaching it in that manner doing it in ones and twos not sort of tens and twenties if that makes sense and um, you know it also means that, that the next task is available to be conquered it, it's not about necessarily the scoreboard at any given time and you know whether that's near the start or the end of the game it's, it's about getting on with the next task and as I said building those 
those positive moments on top of one another. And, um, you know, I think you can put yourself in a good spot. If five changes to the uh, to the starting 15, obviously Tiernan O'Halloran was injured. So John Porch gone back at full back. Uh, Alex Wooten and Peter Sullivan now on the wings. Um, Dominic Robertson-McCoy comes in for a start, as does Gavin Thornbury. Sean Masterson at eight, playing along with uh, his brother Owen in the back row. But the name that probably stands out then the most on the replacements bench is Ben O'Donnell. Uh, you've been waiting for him for quite a while. He came with an injury. He's rehabbed it. Um, what, what's he going to bring? And what was the thinking to some of the other changes you've made? Yeah, well, look, in terms of Ben O'Donnell himself, we're thrilled. Um, you know, to have him available, um, you know, initially, uh, to actually have him, you know, fully rehabbed and, and back to fitness and, and ready for selection, you know, we're, we're thrilled at that level. But we're equally thrilled with what we've seen from him, um, you know, over the last few weeks on, on the training field. He's um, Physically, he's got a presence about him. Um, you know, as well as being being dynamic, obviously with his sevens background, but he, he's a big man for a back three player, um, and, and brings a real sharpness and an X factor. Um, he's a cool customer, and, and by that I mean he's very diligent. He asks some very smart questions, but but doesn't seem to to get phased by the challenge, whether that's learning new plays, whether that's you know discussing opposition, or or just trying to work his way into the team, into the twenty three, and then into the fifteen. So. You know, he can handle it. And um, we did actually discuss starting him for this game. And, uh, you know, there are some players you say it might not be fair on them for their first cap to, you know, throw them straight into the 15 uh, away at Leinster. But, you know, rest assured, we, we were pretty close to doing so with, as I said, the qualities he has and, and the form he's shown in training. So he'll, he'll start, obviously, initially off the bench and, and no doubt get an opportunity at some point and, and then hopefully more and more over the coming weeks. Um, so it's great for him and, and great for us. Uh, in terms of some of those other changes, you, you mentioned Dom Robertson-McCoy starting at tight head. Um, we're building some nice depth there now. Obviously, Finley's been outstanding for us, but um, along with Jack Anger and, uh, and and Connor Kenny, you know, Dom's adding some real depth in that position for us. So he's earned his opportunity, and um, we've got full confidence in him there. Um, and as you said, across the back line, there's still plenty of firepower and, and experience there as well. So, um, no, we, we feel feel confident going to this and um you know excited to as you said put some put rights and wrongs from last week but but also show the world what we can do this week you've also had some more covid cases this week which is is becoming pretty much the norm now and it takes a little bit of managing around this uh i think there's been six, six positive tests how disruptive is that or are you becoming used to actually just having to deal with this and, and, and move on from it once you've satisfied the, the health authorities and Pro 14 Medical that, you know, the, the situation is correct and they've said, yes, the game goes ahead? Um, yeah, it's a good question. You know, we, we have had some disruption with that, as, as has everyone. And um, I, I think really you can look at it at two levels. I, I think in the, in the, the local level, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, changes to our team, whether that's who's available on the Monday when we sit down to discuss it or, or whether that's a late change on a Friday, you know, before or after captain's run. We've had had changes forced on us at, at sort of all ends of the week. Um, you know, in terms of that, I, I think we've been pretty good as a group, as, and I mean as, as staff and as players, as just rolling with it. Um, you know, we expect it to happen. It, it's the state of the game and state of the world at the moment. And, 
you know, you can't be phased by that. You you roll on to the next person. You trust the next player that that's ready. Um, all of all of the players, regardless of whether initially named in the 23 at the start of the week, they they approach their preparation as if they could be called in at any stage, and we've got full confidence to do so. So, you know, in that sense, uh, I think we've rolled with the punches and and um, and you know been pretty positive in that space. The bigger challenge is probably just at that that uh, broader level is where the games will actually go ahead. You know, we had the Ospreys week where we actually finished captain's run before before it was um, suddenly cancelled on us. And, you know, other teams have had similarly late cancellations. So I think, you know, that's probably the unsettling bit is you're doing all your work as you would do normally during the week. But, you know, any minute, you know, the phone might ring and say that the opposition aren't able to field a side or, you know, um, heaven forbid, you know, we get into that position. So that's probably the only worry that nags away in the back of everyone's minds, but you just have to park it and, and you just have to crack on. And, um, you know, certainly when you do get a few cases within the squad, there's a knock-on effect of the close contacts who also get ruled out for, you know, sometimes two weeks. Um, so there is a lot of disruption, but but not once has anyone in the club, whether that's at, at management level, at the coaching level, at squad level, not once has anyone turned around and said, actually, can we try and get out of this game or would we be better not playing it? Um, you know, everyone here is hungry for games and, uh, you know, they want to keep driving this club forward. So, you know, the disruption, you, you take in your stride and, and crack on. And also uh, during the week, Pete, the two the two rearranged games uh, in February. So this is pretty, it's pretty intense now. You've got Munster next week, then Bristol away, then Racing at home. And then we get a, you get a week off, and then you're into a run of seven games, um, five of which haven't been announced yet as to who you're playing or where you're playing. Um, mm. Is that a sufficient gap? Is is it is it is it is that just too much rugby? I mean, a one week gap seems very little to me. And and the other issue that raises its head then is if any more games are called off, they they're running out of space to. Uh, to to refix them, aren't they? No, they are. They are running out of space. I mean, as you've alluded to there, you know, the three free weekends um, that we had in the calendar has suddenly dropped down to one. So, um, you know, all it takes is one more rearranged fixture and all of a sudden, you know, you're going all the way through till uh, through till June or something. So um, it is it is a lot of rugby and, and there isn't much space left in the calendar if there is any more disruption. Um, I mean, the one thing I'd say, though, is as relentless as you know, this last the six to twelve months has been for everyone um, in terms of um, in terms of the work that's been put in and, and the schedules that we've had. Um, everyone is still hungry for rugby and they're hungry for games. And um, you know, with the cancellations that we have had, and uh, you know, with the slightly different calendar and, and obviously the lockdown in there as well, um, guys want to be playing rugby. And, and whether that's at training here. Um, you know, at a, on a rainy day, or, or whether that's their gym sessions, or whether that's the opportunity to actually play a game, um, guys are excited and, and, and they want to be out there and, um, you know, sort of giving a bit of entertainment and, and hope to the community as well, and, and bringing the positivity to, the, to that side of things, as well as the other people in, in the Connect organisation who, who are still working, you know, from home and in terms of not being able to access the sports ground. So, you know, there's a real determination to get out there and. Um, to, I suppose, be standard bearers for, for the club in this part of the country at, at, at this time. And, um, you know, as relentless as it is and, and as few as those days off and those free weekends may be, um, you know, everyone is still excited about playing the game. And, um, you know, credit to, 
to all of those players and, and staff involved at the club that that's, that's managed to be maintained. Mm-hmm.